Before we begin, I'd just like to remind you that this episode is currently available as a video. So if you want to check us out in all our glory, then please head over to youtube.com at Poddywood. For now though, enjoy the episode. Hello everybody and welcome to another video episode of Poddywood, the podcast where we talk about films and all film related stuff. I am one of your co-hosts Steve Hester and joining me as always is... That's uh, movies for our American crowd. Yes. Films. Should be wearing one of those flat caps. I've got one of them actually. (laughs) I know. I know. Yes. Uh, Introduce yourself then, go on. Oh, God, have I got to? You have God. to, yes. Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, Andrew Roger Carson. Uh, looking a bit under the weather today. I am unshaven, as you can tell. Uh, I am decided to wear a hat just because. And uh, I'm in post-Oscars zone at the moment. So, naturally, I'm exhausted because, you know, when it gets to that point where the Oscars is coming up and then you're like, shit. I haven't actually watched half of these movies that are being nominated. And I really should just clear an entire day and night to really get through at least the main ones. And I really wanted to see um, everything always, everything everywhere, all all stuff elsewise and leftward. I wanted to see that for ages when when I heard about it because I thought it sounded like a really interesting take on the whole multiverse thing. And now yeah. I get the feeling that if I watch it, then people are going to think I'm just watching it because of the fact that it won an Academy Award or five. And no, the, yeah. the real reason why is because it's probably been picked out of the box in two years' time. Yeah. Which is when you will get around to watching it. Uh, before we're going to get into the whole what's in the box, because our last episode was, was it the Rocky episode? It was the Rocky episode. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Jesus. That was ages ago. Mm-hmm. Must be the Oscar season. Um, so, yes, we're, we're going to get into our breach cover in a moment. But as everyone is doing it, we might as well give our take on the Oscars. Did you watch it, Steve? Of course, I didn't watch any of it. Uh, I've I've won awards before. Very, very much smaller awards, I'm not going to lie. But I find award ceremonies to be incredibly boring if you're actually part of it, let alone actually watching it from somewhere else. Now, I know you get things like the Will Smith debacle last year where everything that happened with that. Um, But given the time frame that it's actually on, stupid o'clock in the evening over here in the UK. Yeah, it's midnight for the UK. Yeah, I'm not staying up that time of night on a weekend, on a school night, I should say. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, I, I, I might have to be up for work in the morning. It's true. I'm up for work in the morning as well. Granted, I work from home and I can pretty much choose my hours. But still, um, I watched some of it and then my body caved in and it was like, yeah, I need to go to sleep. I'll just... 
see everyone bitching and moaning the next morning over, you know, the real winners. I've got to be honest. Um, it's such an incredibly positive Oscars this year. Mm, uh, the underdogs think, are getting a look in. Yes. I think this was a very, very good Oscars in comparison to last year, which was just the car crash of Oscars that that is now the benchmark for never let this happen ever again. And I'm not just talking about the Will Smith slap. That was part of it. It was everything else from, you know, your presenters, you know, the, everything about it was stripping the categories back. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it was a way of how can you make the wrong decisions with an Oscars, that was it. So Mm -hmm. this year it just felt so good. And I've got to admit, I teared up on two Oscars in particular. Um, Which ones? Ki uh, Hoi Kwan. I think there's, you know, not a dry eye in the house for Ki Hoi Kwan. Just incredible. And Jamie Lee Curtis's one got me as well. And, you know, I've been in the business kind of long enough now to know who deserves it and who doesn't. And yeah, I, I, all four I, I, were extremely deserving on those acting fronts. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, the biggest upset was, of course... Everything, everywhere, all at once. No, uh, it, 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 if you look at the other more traditional Oscar bait, you know things like Tar and all the all the rest of that, which should have been uh, nominated and, and held up and held aloft. To have this relatively small um, independent film, for want of a better phrase, oh yeah, it was come out of yeah. nowhere and uh, and managed to sweep three of the top gongs you know you've got the best picture uh the uh the best director uh and then the the best actress award yeah and then both supporting it it was only really the best actor award that they didn't manage to get hold of out of the big the big ones and i don't think anyone was nominated for that movie in best actor so that was the sigh of relief i guess for everyone it felt great because we didn't have a slap this year, although we did have a snapping of teeth if you're uh, nominated for the Black Panther Award and Jamie Lee Curtis wins. Yeah, yeah I've not actually seen that, but I have heard yeah. of Angela Bassett's uh, bit of a grimace on her face, apparently. That was unfortunate. Um, and we don't know reasons behind it, but it's, you know, there's an etiquette shown that no matter who wins, you be professional enough. No one is entitled to this Oscar. You win it through votes. Yeah, it, it, you do have to kind of show face. It's like, oh, no, 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 you deserve it. You're far better. No, you'd, oh, you're wonderful. Inside, you might be thinking, God, outwardly, you're going, oh, yes, she definitely deserved it. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but when you look at Jamie Lee Curtis's long history in the business, and finally, you know, getting it. Because she's been an amazing actress for, what, since the 70s now. You know, every decade she has re- kind of reinvented herself and really stamped her mark. And for her to get this, and her role in that movie is incredible. You know, she is amazing in it and well-deserving. But, yeah, uh, from watching the Oscars, it felt good, apart from one part of it. Which was? Rantalit. For those of you who have seen me on Facebook, you all know this one extremely well. The In Memoriam section, which seems to be the section every single year that pisses me off. Mm. Because it this year, 
excluded more people who should have been highlighted than had ever seen before. I was pissed off in 2020 slash 2021 when four of my friends who were Academy members as well, weren't even put in the in memoriam bit. But this year you're missing people like Anne Hesch, yes, Tom Sizemore, the big one. Paul Savino, David Warner, to Paul. I mean, I thought the package was wonderfully put together. The song, the Lenny Kravitz song that they chose was perfect. I love the fact that the last person they put on there was Walter Mirisch. God bless his soul. Mm. I felt so bad when I saw Mira Sovino's post, who's so, so hurt by that. It's Paul Sovino. I mean, in the same year we lost Ray Liotta, we lost Paul Sovino. That's two of the good fellas in one mm. swoop. Ray Liotta arguably is the biggest loss of the year. Yeah. We've had huge names go like Olivia Newton-John, Wolfgang Peterson and a bunch of others, but I, I can't believe whoever's putting that together suddenly thought, ah, we've we've got one good fella in there. It was it was the tarnishing of the Oscars for me. That was the one point. It's like this could have been one of the greatest Oscars ever, the greatest feel good. And that is the moment where they chose to hurt people the most by just ignoring their contributions. These these actors especially. Hours of screen time, years and decades of work for stuff that the Academy celebrates, and they couldn't even give them three-second image. You know, it's it's very disrespectful. Well, would you say it was a breach of etiquette? <laughs> uh, yes, and a good segue, too. <laughs> Ah, uh, right. Well, yes, like we say, we could talk about the Oscars until the cows come home, but we're just one podcast and we only have a certain amount of time. And the world and his wife is going to be deep delving into every single possible second of those proceedings. Uh, so we are going to carry on and we're going yes, we to are. look at the uh, the what's in the box from last week. Last week. Yes, it was last week. <laughs> Yes, don't spoil it for the boys and girls. I should really be saying last episode, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll remember that one for next time. So, yes. Breach from 2007, the year where Steve was obviously in a coma. <laughs> I was too busy losing weight and getting chicks. Um, <laughs> only one of those is true, folks. Yes, he really was getting chicken. Uh, right. So, yeah, breach. It's a it's a true story. Well, well, okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, it's the it's the true story with slight embellishment because there's always slight embellishments yes. in true stories. Um, about uh, an slight. FBI slight an FBI agent called uh, Robert Hansen. He is uh, and this is all spoilers. <laughs> Uh, he is caught selling secrets to the Russians, and the whole film is looking at the lead-up to his arrest, and it's seen primarily through the eyes of a young FBI agent wannabe. He hasn't pressed to agent yet, uh, by the name of Eric O'Neill, uh, played by Ryan Felipe. Uh, is it Felipe or Philippe? Uh, I always say Felipe. I always say Felipe. Correct us if we're wrong. Um and it's a it's a very much a slow burn. Very, it, yeah. Very slow burn. 
And if you're coming into this expecting a Jack Ryan-esque adventure with car chases and rooftop gunfights and all the rest of it, then you're sadly mistaken. Uh, you've got Chris Cooper as uh, Robert Hansen himself, who's a seasoned FBI agent who then gets transferred to this new department and O'Neill comes in as his secretary. And the two of them have got this initial butting of heads and then they start to bond and develop this friendship, mostly based around their mutual faith uh, and belief in the Catholic Church. And O'Neill, who is originally told that he's investigating his boss's sexual proclivities, eventually gets laid on, let in on the, the main detail that his boss has been selling out his country. Now, this, for me, was a little bit of a frustrating film. Because of the because, pacing? No, it's not because of the pacing. I can cope with a slow film. I can definitely cope with uh, a slow burn. There's many films that I've seen which take a while to build up. And in here, you've got some good actors. You've got a really interesting situation. But it is just so tensionless to the point that I was actually struggling with it a number of times. Not because of the acting, for the most part, even though a lot of the time everyone just seems to have this very flat face. Uh, Laura Linney, for example, is uh, Felipe's handler, for want of a better phrase, working for, the, yeah. working for the FBI, and she's the one that brings him in on this. Her neck vein does more acting than her face. It, 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 she She's so... <laughs> You like that one, don't you? I did. I did. I like that one. Yeah. She's an incredibly talented actress, and I get that she's supposed to be in a position where she's supposed to be very, very in control. But there's there's nothing to her. She wears the same expression throughout the entire film, and all of them are exactly the same. Cooper is just flat and grumpy. Felipe is flat and confused. Um... Yeah, Dennis Haysbert comes in about partway through, and I like Dennis Haysbert. And he comes in, and he's flat and with a slight smug look on his face. Yes. And I, I wasn't expecting there to be actual romps over the rooftops, like I said. I understood that this was a real story, so there's got to be a real basis, in fact, for everything that's going on. But there's certain scenes, like, for example, he has to distract uh, Hansen and keep him out of the, the FBI building while the actual agents themselves strip his car. And I mean strip right yeah. down to the very studs. Like a five-minute Salford job. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's like, the, what was it, that scene in uh, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker? <laughs> Where, it's a new record. Yeah, just, a car's just gone. Um, it's it's like that. Everything's pulled apart. And uh, actually, the uh, for you X-Files fans, um, I can't remember the name of the actor, but uh, he was the guy who played Spender and the young cigarette-smoking man in the X-Files, and he's the, uh, the FBI assistant who's helping Haysburg. Anyway, so you've got that whole scene. There is supposed to be tension here. He's trying to keep Hanson away from the office. Hanson wants to go to the office. They're being tracked by another FBI car, and it's cutting back between them and the garage where the car is being stripped apart. 
if you were going to put any kind of excitement or tension or raise the stakes at any point in a film, that is where you put it. It's a ticking clock. He's having to think on his feet. There was nothing there. My heart you know wasn't what was missing. What? No, I can tell you what was missing from that. Music. Mm. It's there is no music at all during them scenes, so there is no like emotional attachment for the viewer to know, you know, that there is danger or there is, you know, a race against time, so to speak. Um and that's where this film does kind of falter a bit because music really does help drive a story along. And, yeah. You know, hit the beats of the action to really draw you in. And it's all right to not have it throughout most of the film. The little moments where it's just between O'Neill and Hansen, they work very well and they're trying to size each other up. Yeah. But then when you do have those moments where you are supposed to be building tension and you are supposed to be trying to have this element of suspense, you need to have something which he's going to be saying. You need to be in a suspenseful state right now. Yeah, because to be honest, there's two of those scenes that follow each other instantly. One hmm. is trying to keep him out of the office while he's messing around with his suitcase and this, that, and the other way, sends him off to do a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a genius idea, I guess. I don't think I've ever seen that one before. No. Um, so that and the tension should have been more for that. And then immediately it's followed by this you know, trip to the FBI so they can strip his car down. Um, and he has an incredible selection of guns in the boot of his car. <laughs> oh, incredible. He gives Rambo wood. Uh, as well as some really dodgy pirate copies of The Mask of Zorro and Entrapment. <clears throat> Yeah, which is uh, which is interesting, really. <laughs> it's a true. Actually, that was a true thing that apparently the real Robert Hansen had an infatuation with Catherine Zeta Jones. Oh, really? You know, and, and they actually did feature it in this movie. And another thing that is very bizarre, as as you notice in kind of uh, the scene where they go in and they have uh, the wall of most wanted people and stuff like that, and people mm -hmm. that have caught this pictures all over the real Robert Hansen's picture is up on that wall. <laughs> That's brilliant. I thought that was genius. I was like, you know what? You don't even hide the fact that it's there. It is there. Uh, which no. I thought was good. Um, just to suggest before we get to your final verdict, there were some things on it. Okay. I mean, the director of this, amazingly, this was his second movie. Uh, yeah. His Billy first Ray. Movie, Billy Ray. <laughs> I, I kept on expecting this to be a third name. Uh, yeah, me too. But, yeah. But that is, his full name is Billy Ray. Uh, he directed a brilliant movie called Shattered Glass, which is in the box as well, which was right. his first feature uh, that starred Mannequin Skywalker himself Hayden in a movie where he was actually acting. Yeah, he might surprise you. Uh, and that was another one about uh, deception and, and things like that. I won't ruin the plot. Because uh, you will get to watch it, and since you know this time, I mean, Billy Ray was predominantly a screenwriter. Uh, right. So he wrote Volcano, right? Which was <laughs> and oh god! I, I've got such a beef with this movie because every time I go to LA, it's on Stars. It used to be every single time I was in the hotel and I put the TV on to get before I was getting ready to go to meetings or whatever. I turned stars on, and Volcano was always on. 
I don't mind like... Volcano. It's a bit I'm... of a guilty pleasure. I know. Yeah, but it's not guaranteed its peak. But when you keep going to LA and you've never experienced an earthquake, and then you've just got a movie where 17 earthquakes happen in, like, one movie, it's, uh, it's a bit disappointing that that's the movie they put on in the morning. Rest in peace, Anne Hesh. Mm-hmm. Also, Billy Ray wrote Terminator Dawn of Fate. <sighs> which guaranteed is not Terminator Genesis. No, no, thankfully but still not. didn't do anything for the franchise to help it along. Uh, it still amazes me that after Terminator 1 and 2, the best Terminator film was Terminator Salvation. Yeah, I've, I've got to be honest, going wildly off topic, but yeah, yeah. The, the Terminator films have followed the exact same formula. No, someone goes back in time to protect someone in the past. Terminator goes back into the past to kill the someone in the past. And then there's usually them running away a lot until they have to come back and fight. And then it ends in some kind of construction area or something like that. Yeah. Same thing. So I will give Salvation its due and McGee is due as well. It's it's not a brilliant film, but at least they were trying something different. So it definitely needs to get a thumbs up for that. If it comes on, I'll watch it. That, yeah. That's the main thing, you know. I, I didn't bought that find today. It actually, expensive. it was on today. No, I bought it today. Oh, really? I was in CEX and was I? I like three D films. Um, and I was just oh, having a three D version of it. Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't think that actually came out on three D. Um, huh. but I, I picked up, I picked up a three D copy of uh, Wolverine. Oh, okay. Wh- which Wolverine? The, the one in Wolverine. Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the good one. Um, I picked up uh, a box set of all of the X-Men movies up to Days of Future Past, which also had a 3D version of Days of Future Past in it, for cool. £4. Did you get Dark Phoenix for free? Uh, no, no, this is up. Th- th- it's everything up to Days of Future Past. Yeah, no, but I was just wondering up. if they were kind of begging you to take no. one of their 5,000 copies that they have no. in that store alone. <laughs> Um, and then the last one that I picked up was Terminator Salvation. It, it was a pound. And these are the type of movies that Steve watches, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, other things I'll, I'll pick up here. Um, I mean, I, I did like Breach. I do, but I am, yeah. I'm into slow movies as well. I, I go right across the board, as you know. Um, Ryan Felipe, why yeah. does it feel that this character should have been someone else. I think and so. The, the character is more observational over being a catalyst or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, so his role he, is pretty much the audience, I guess. Yeah. He doesn't you actually know. start to have any kind of impact in the proceedings until, I'd say, about the third act. The, the, the point where Ryan Felipe, the actor, comes out in this movie is the scene where they're, they're kind of stuck in the traffic on the way back from the FBI thing. And, you know, he has his first bit of to do with Chris Cooper and they have this semi-argument. And that was like, okay, he's arrived, but this is like over an hour into yeah. a, near, a near two-hour movie. Um, it feels like something Ethan Hawke would have done, but I guess he already kind of did it in Training Day. Yes. <laughs> And it's so kind it's, of the same movie, but different. Um, it, it, is a, it is a weird one, because there's nothing really much for the character to do up until then. So I don't even but, really think it's him. It's just the fact that he he's just having to observe and report. I, th- I think Ryan Felipe is a good actor 
in good movies. You know, when he's got them, he, he has done a lot of really bad stuff that, you know, hasn't helped. The problem here is you're in there with Chris Cooper and Chris Cooper mm -hmm. delivers on all levels. It is the yes. most multi-complex performance I think I've ever seen because in a weird way, he is, you know, this person that you're supposed to distrust. And he is kind of the bad guy, but does it in a way where you're almost not completely against him? Yeah, and it, that even echoes what happens with O'Neill. Uh, yeah. He gets dragged in by Laura Linney, and she's saying, "Yeah, you you respect him, don't you?" And he's going, "Yeah, I do." And they've they've reached that point in their relationship. Um, I, I did also feel Laura Linney was maybe miscast. Yeah, because yeah, again, she doesn't feel right. Do much. I mean, the the role is fine, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's like. It just feels like another actor was supposed to do this. Uh, th this is a movie that is really going to split viewer opinion, as we said. Yeah. You know, there's people who see the, these kind of spy movies and, you know, political thrillers, and they go for the, the Jason Bournes and all stuff like that. And then you've got the other side that like the, all the president's men and, and movies like that side. This is more all the president's men. Yeah. Than hey, there's nothing Bourne. wrong with that. There's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with that, that at all. But uh, if, I do... if you're going to have a thriller, you need to have aspects of thrill. Yeah, it did need a shot of adrenaline in there at some point, and I mm. do believe the music would have been would have elevated it more mm. uh, if it had the tension spots hit. Uh, I do like that this movie has a very Asian Japanese visual style. It's very cold. Very oh, cool. It utilizes all the blues. It's very uh, Infernal Affairs style. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you, you look at the other side, you have Training Day, and that's very sun-bleached and, uh, you know, dr almost drained of color in a way. This obviously is your, your kind of East Coast movie, I guess. <laughs> has that kind of coldness to it. Yeah. It's DC in the winter. I know I've been to DC yeah. in the summer, and it's just sweltering hot. So I've, I can imagine I've it being the exact That's opposite. About it. Yeah, went to Dulles Airport yeah. on a on a changeover flight. That's the closest I've been to DC, I guess. It's too clean. Well, it, it's specific parts of it that aren't. Oh no, <laughs> you go right in the outskirts. Yeah, that's that's. Um, but Into no, the center. <laughs> Back to Salford again, mate. The center <laughs> of DC. I don't. I remember walking through there, not even seeing a single speck of rubbish on the floor. I don't remember, like, a, a cigarette butt or or a, a, a used coffee cup or anything. It was pristine, almost to the point that you felt like you're in some kind of weird alternate reality. So that kind of speaks volumes, well, really. That's, well, that's Washington, D.C., isn't it? Uh, yeah. Okay, so your final thoughts on Breach. Final thoughts. It's it's a good film. It's worth a watch. It's a very, very slow paced, which, like I said, is not necessarily a bad thing. But it just needed something just to just a couple yeah. of beats which started to get your heart rate up. Like like we mentioned, the, the scene where he, he deliberately knocks over a carafe of water onto the floor in order that he can then get access to his boss's bag, which has got a palm pilot. Do you remember Palm Pilots? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so 2001. Um, <laughs> and then he he manages to take it back to his desk. He copies it over from one to the other. 
And then he's kind of panicking. Oh, which pocket was it in? Is it the right one? Have I got it in? And his boss is coming down the corridor. Hansen's getting closer. Then he hears the buttons that uh, signal the keypad for the door. And you're thinking, oh, what's going to happen? And he's praying. And all throughout that, the build-up should have been, there should have been, like you say, some music, something. Something to indicate there's tension here. We're building up. So, yeah, it's it's missing those moments. And I think that if it had those and perhaps a little less flatness from mm. some of the actors, then it would have been a much, yeah. much better performance. It's an acting movie with two kind of dubious casting choices. I wouldn't even say dubious. I, I think they're just... I'm not even going to say wrong. It just feels mm. alternate. There should have been somebody more to play Ryan Felipe's part. I don't think Felipe delivered. I don't think it's his fault. Maybe he just didn't get adequate direction on it or didn't have mm. enough time to prepare properly for it. Or maybe it was just intimidating working against the powerhouse that is Chris Cooper. Yeah. He can, you know, he can do a one-person play with a wooden chair and, and make that chair a character. Um, and Laura Linney did feel a bit out of place on it. But, you know, it's it's a really good movie. It's a really good story. It is. Um, and I think it is, it's worth watching if you kind of like those slow-burning thrillers. That's it for this week's uh, this week's What's in the Box. I guess it's time to look at some anniversaries then. We watch them again all of the time or we get them on Prime for free. But we only know how old they are when we learn their anniversary. What are you drinking? Okay. It's, um, I, I would like to say gin. But it's not. It's just water. Oh, that's all right then. Uh, I'll get back into it, shall I? Uh, yeah. Anniversaries. Uh, I found kind of five interesting ones to bring up. Okay. That were released this week over the course of the years. I want to go back to 1986. Okay. Uh, we've got two from the 80s, so I'm going to go to 1986 first. Uh, this was the week uh, when in Japan... An anime movie by the name of Fist of the North Star was first released. Okay, I've not seen it, but I do know that this is one Fuck of your favourites. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> mainly because I saw this. Uh, I didn't even know about it until 1991, when Manga Video released their first wave of anime movies after the release of Akira. And this was released by Streamline Pictures just prior to the manga craze kicking off. I have and, seen Akira. Yes, good, good. Uh, even though that's a great conversation to have because that's like the live-action movie that no one on the planet seems able to make. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is. It's the curse. Yeah, as soon as someone says, I really want to do Akira, they're like, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's the same for, what is it, Nanuka the North and, <laughs> um, and, and anything to do with Don Quixote. <laughs> Forget it. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but, but Fist of the North Star, I saw on VHS uh, in 1991. I started really heavily getting into the anime craze with manga when it came out. 
that was among the first wave of movies along with uh, here's my nerdness odin venus wars rg vader legend of the overfiend but you've seen that one i've seen that one yeah <laughs> i bet you have i and, wish i hadn't uh, <laughs> It's mentally scarring, that movie. Oh, God, yeah. And, I, and I just thought, oh, let's have a look at boobs. No, no, no. no. Oh, God, no. Oh, oh God, God, no. God. Uh, but Fist of the North Star was just this bone-crunching assault on your senses. And it's basically a, a Mad Max clone, but it's to do with these martial arts schools uh, in the future. And our hero is Kenshiro. And he is wandering the wasteland and gets attacked. And his woman, Julia, gets stolen. And basically, it's his mission to go and get her back. But facing these ridiculously gigantic, over-muscled men that get absolutely curb-stomped in a way that I still watch it now and go like, ugh. God, it's gross. So you've got limbs being cut off. You're getting eyeballs gouged out. You're getting heads crushed, limbs exploding. It's so funny. It, it's actually really funny. Uh, the humor in it is so sick. You know and... what? You know what tends to get me actually, and this is one thing I've noticed. Japan is kind of like America, but writ <laughs> large, like. Like, the U.S. will tend to balk at anything which is even remotely rude. But, you know, they'll, they'll put in, like, some boobage. Um, yeah. But then that's kind of, like, about it. Whereas they will do violence to, like, a certain level. Japan takes both extremes and just does that with them. Oh, yeah. So the violence, when that happens, racks up to 11 yeah. With, like you say, things being ripped apart and pulled apart and thrown around your head. and and But then when it comes to sex, they'll put sex in, but it'll all be, like, pixelated out. <laughs> well, we know the, what's going on. Yes. The, this movie has gone on to become probably one of the greatest anime cult classics of all time. And uh, you can find that original version of it. Uh, you're sitting on a bit of a gold mine. I think it has been released again since it's been upgraded. Um, it's been even remade as a, a live action director video movie starring uh, Gary Daniels. <laughs> I love Gary. Gary, honestly, as soon as I met him in LA, I was like, I cannot believe I'm sitting here with the Fist of the North Star. He is such an amazing guy. And he was in this as uh, Ken Shiro. And you had Malcolm McDowell, Chris Penn. They had a great cast for that movie, for a director video movie. Uh, so it was, was it dubbed or was it not? No, it was English. No, I mean, was it dubbed or was it not? What do you mean? Do you remember, the, do you remember those videos that you used to show me, those YouTube clips? Oh, my oh, God. Yes. But, so this, this was the first of the North Star <laughs> series that someone has dubbed over. And... It was hilarious. It's still on YouTube now if you can find it. So someone took the series and changed the entire plot with yeah. these perfect voiceovers that um, I can't even remember what it's called, but you, you'll find it if you search for it. Uh, but yes, Fist of the North Star, if you've not seen it, um, 
it's worth chucking down because it is just ridiculously violent and some sick humor in it. And uh, I'm a big fan, obviously. Uh, right. So what do we have next? Okay. Well, the last 80s film I'm going to save till last. Uh, but I'm okay. going to go back 20 years, 2003, when the Steve Martin Queen Latifah movie Bringing Down the House was released. <laughs> Not seeing it because the poster was enough to make me go... Mm. It was around that time where Steve Martin was doing all of the family stuff, like uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, Cheaper by the Dozen 2, yeah. Pink Panther, Pink Panther 2. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that guy was in desperate need of a franchise. Oh, God. He did The Man With Two Brains, for God's sake. Yeah. Come on. Oh, Father of the Bride. Father of the Bride 2. <laughs> you know, Steve. Yeah, he hit that what we call the Eddie Murphy period when it's like, yeah. I just want to do a whole bunch of family movies that no one really wants to see, but I'm going to go and do them anyway. Father uh, of the bring... Bride, Bride Harder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went on a date to see Bringing Down the House, and that didn't work out in no. either way. No, <laughs> because she made me go and watch Bringing Down the House. And it's <laughs> like, oh, Hulk was on in the next room. I would have rather than gone watch that. But um, yeah, yeah I, don't mind. I don't mind Hulk. It's, uh, it gets a lot of it's hate. It's all right. Yeah. It's an art house movie. It's not a yeah. superhero movie at all. No, not it's at all. Ang you get Ang Lee to do a superhero movie. That's what you're going to get. It's like getting yeah. Chloe Zhao to do Eternals. That's what you're going to get. Yeah, bringing yeah. down the house. Um, it's one of those forgetful movies that Touchstone just kind of shut out when they were just making movies. Uh, it's not a great movie. Nothing wrong with Steve Martin. Nothing wrong with Queen Latifah. I think she's beautiful. I really do think yeah. she's a beautiful woman. Uh, and a great actress as well. Um, but bringing down the house was quite racist, actually. <laughs> you look back now, that's a movie that I'm surprised hasn't landed on the Council Culture Brigade, but yeah. And the, but you got Eugene Levy in there. Oh, old so, eyebrows himself. Yes. You know, yeah. you, you just kind of put him in there. This was a time when Eugene Levy was just in like every comedy. Uh, I think this was right around the time where he did that one with Samuel L. Jackson called The Man. Oh, yes. I completely forgotten about that one. Uh, no, that's, that's the problem with a lot of movies. We tend to forget them now. Uh, even more so, I'm forgetting stuff that was released last year because they're just mm. getting shit out too fast. Uh, but bringing down the house, uh, it's just a film. You know, it, it is just a movie. Not a great one, uh, but, you know. It's available. It's out there. I think you can get it on Disney Plus if you're curious and you like those Steve Martin type movies. You'll probably enjoy them. Okay. Oh well, that's uh, that that's an interesting offering for our audience this week. It was released. What can I say? Yes. And another thing it's that's that time of year. We'll go back ten years. Remember, yes. we're, we're still in that February March period. So you've always got to remember that these movies people thought were going to absolutely tank. <laughs> we're just releasing them around awards season. Um, 10 years ago, Oz the Great and Powerful was released. Now I have seen that one and I saw it wow. in 3D. Ooh. Ooh. You probably saw the best version of it then. All right. Yeah, this, this was when they chose James Franco as the wizard. 
Yeah, and Sam Raimi movie as well, and you can kind of feel the Sam Raiminess in it a yeah. bit. Yeah, uh, I actually enjoyed it as the Great and Powerful. Uh, yeah, I was it wasn't quite surprised by it because I I saw the trailer and I was like, oh god, do we really need this? I've only just got over the Muppet Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you know that was done I've for ABC. They do one of them. Yeah, that's when ABC were doing uh, the Muppet movies. They did a, a brilliant one called It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas, where the humour in that movie is not meant for kids at all. <laughs> because there are some jokes there that are so risque, so unreal. But the Muppet Wizard of Oz was like, oh, God, this is like a bad TV movie. Uh, that's because it sounds like it was, was a bad TV was movie. Yeah, a bad TV movie, and then we had to wait till 2011 for the Muppet Renaissance when they released Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted. Incredible, mm. and we still want a third one. We want not more seen Muppets. Most Wanted, but I have seen Muppets. I, I quite liked it. I thought it was yeah. quite well done. Yeah, no, that was the perfect Muppet movie. Yeah, uh, it really was. Uh, and I love their TV series as well. I think the Muppet humor has really grown up. Uh, but getting back to us, <laughs> the great and powerful, um, I don't think it was a needed sequel, but I think it was interesting because it is just basically the setup for The Wizard of Oz. I don't really... Th I was expecting it to be closer to Wicked, but there was something where they couldn't use the same names as that were in the play, in yeah. the film. And, Maybe because uh, we've got Wicked coming out, haven't we? They're doing... Yeah. Uh, version of wicked yeah but that was that was when was that 2013 so it's 10 years on from that so they must have had the rights in the bag for quite some time to put the kibosh on it all the way back then yeah true um but i i think it's uh it was a good movie it was released in a bad window uh i think it could have been a good december release i think that would have been mm -hmm. a good christmas movie um, it was probably the last Harry Potter film that was beating them out or something like that at Christmas time. Also, is it just me or is it hard to take Mila Kunis seriously as an ugly witch? Because yes. even with all of the green makeup on, she still looks like Mila Kunis and Mila Kunis is an absolutely gorgeous woman. So yeah. she, she, I, I was just watching it thinking, no, you look like you're going to a kink convention. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you look like you're cosplaying. Yeah. No, that's a good point. It's a, it's a very good point. I mean, what do our viewers think? <laughs> what, do our, what do our viewers, listeners think? Let us know. <laughs> right. Right in with your termination letters of Steve. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah, well, triggered. Yeah. Well, anyway, I was 10 years ago this week, which is hard to was believe. Because I remember okay. seeing that. And uh, I had trouble really believing that that was 10 years ago. Because Man. when I was in LA around this time, I remember seeing the billboards for it. And it kind of sent me back when I was kind of looking at the anniversaries and planning out the show. That, that was that long ago. So it's like, shit. World War Z is right around the corner for 10 years. Mm, and wait till we get to that. Not as good a film as the book. Now, I, I was speaking with Jay Lever about that, and we were talking about the book and how the book was so much better. Yeah. But, you know, they, they, they should have done. 
they should have done the whole film as if it was a reenactment. Yes. You know, and actually had people there talking as if their experiences were genuine and then reenact, reenact the zombie stuff. I would have loved to have seen them do it Lars von Trier style, like Dogville, where they're just on a stage and they've got chalk outlines for the buildings <laughs> and yeah. they're just acting out. Have you ever seen Dogville? Uh, no, but I'm glad that you went with Dogville as opposed to Nymphomaniac. Because that well, would have yeah. made it a completely different film. That is a completely different movie. Uh, it's a great one to watch with Grandma on a Sunday. Um, yeah. But Dogville's an interesting experiment um, where it's all shot on like a, a soundstage and they just have drawn and put props out and stuff like that to play this town. And it's brilliant. It was like, I would go and see this as a play. It was so good. Um, it's one to just throw out there. Uh, but Oz the Great and Powerful 10 years ago uh, this week. Um, ready for to go back 30 years? No, because it's going to make me feel really old, but hit us with it anyway. Come on. Well, that depends if you've seen it or not. I thought this was a bit relevant because of the whole Chris Rock thing, but uh, CB4 was released 30 years ago this week. Now, if you've not seen CB4, which stands for Cell Block 4, it was basically Chris Rock's uh, comedy mockumentary about a group that was basically the NWA, but called right. CB4. And so it it's like stories. the hip-hop version of the Ruttles. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you've, if you've okay. seen Straight Outta Compton, and you should because it is just an incredible movie, uh, CB4 is like a predating parody of that movie. It takes the NWA story and just completely makes comedy out of it. And it's hilarious. It really is hilarious, especially if you have seen uh, Straight Outta Compton. You'll get all the jokes, but it's so weird that it was like 20-odd years before Straight Outta Compton was made. And it's got a, a great ensemble cast in there. You've got Mookie from uh, – there's uh, something about Mary. I can't remember his name, his actual actor's name. But he basically plays this documentary filmmaker who is going around with Chris Rock's character – um, but there's there's fantastic songs that rip off uh, the NWA. So you've got Straight Outta Low Cash instead of <laughs> Straight Outta Compton. Mm. Uh, there's a hilarious song called Sweat For My Balls. <laughs> you've got uh, a song called I'm Black. Well, no, it's called I'm Black Y'all. And basically the entire song is I'm Black Y'all, I'm Black Y'all, I'm Blickety Black and I'm Black Y'all. And that is the song all the way through. One of my friends had it as his ringtone. Um, but it's it's quite a funny movie as a mockumentary. And I know you like your mockumentary stuff. Oh, I do. I do. Yes. I like stuff like that. I think CB4 will be right up your street. And Chris Rock has never been funnier than when he was in this movie, when he was just breaking out a very skinny and scrawny, Young yeah, Chris you, Rock. You kind of forget that Chris Rock did get his start back in the 80s. Yeah. In stuff like um, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker and uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. And that was when he was just starting to kick off. So, yeah, yeah you, you kind of forget that he, he is that old. Yeah. You know? But this is it. And you, you can put it on screen because I know you're going to edit video footage in here. So there is an amazing complete burial of MC Hammer in CB4 
where I think it's like Sir Dancelot or something like that. Mm. And the music video is hilarious, and it's all about the fact that he can dance. CB4, 30 years old this week, and still a great movie. We know 1989, it was the year that Steve went to see Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which is not the movie of this week. No. Because that wouldn't get released in a February. No. What movie would executives think probably wouldn't stand a chance and we'll just release it during Oscar season? It was from Universal Pictures. It was a sequel. And it's actually a great comedy. A comedy, Universal Pictures, and it's a sequel. Do, 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 do. Come on, don't leave people on suspense if you don't no. know, just say. No, I don't know. I don't know. This week in 1989, Fletch Lives was released. Oh, I like that film. Uh, Not based I, on any of the books, but I like that film. Despite the certain people that I know that have always had a kind of problem with Chevy Chase, but... Around this time, he was the comedy god. Right? Yeah. And he was just about to release National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation in the same year. But Fletch Lives, I was actually shocked that it was 1989 because I thought it was a bit earlier. I thought it was 87 or 88 this was released. I thought this was released around the same time as The Burbs. But no, it was as late as 1989. Uh, yeah, where... I've seen this movie God knows how many times. I can yes. quote you lines... Off the top of my... <laughs> Gantry. The name's Gantry. Elmer Fudd Gantry. Yes. Oh, oh, yes. Sorry, I just had a hernia operation. Uh, piss and blood, shit and blood, bleeding. I could do five of these suits a day. Yeah. <laughs> you have seen it, then. Um, I have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chevy Chase is Irvin P. Fletcher uh, going down to uh, the swamplands of Louisiana. Is that right? Was it Louisiana? Yep. Uh, yep. I, it's either Louisiana or Georgia. It's, it's one was... of those... Down south, antebellum yes. uh, houses, old plantation. And you've got such a great cast in this. You've got Hal Halbrook. You've got uh -huh. Arlie Ermey, the last ever role of Cleveland Little. Yeah. Of Blazing Saddles fame. Uh, it's just a, a great load of people. You've got Randall Tex Cobb in there as Bend Over. Bend Over. Ben, nice to meet you. Victor Hugo. <laughs> You really have seen this movie. Uh, directed by uh, Michael Ritchie. Was it Michael Ritchie? Yes, it was. Uh, obviously, uh, Fletch and Fletch Lives. Now you have uh, Confess Fletch, I believe. John Hamm has I, taken over the role. I, apparently that got released recently. I had no idea it had come out. It came out on Paramount Plus as one of those movies. It's like the, the second Beavis and Butthead movie. Mm. It got released straight to it. And uh, I love it because I love Beavis and Butthead do America. So I know I'm going to love the second Beavis and Butthead movie when I eventually do get round to watching it. Um, instead of watching the terrible movies I just have on in the background while I'm working. Um, but yeah, Confess Fletch, uh, I got told, I think it was Bill Daly who told me recently, he said, you know, it's actually funny. It's really, you know, really good. But I think, um, I don't know if Bill was a fan of the original Fletch movies, but I think he enjoyed this one. And John Hamm's yeah. a good choice. So I remember for yeah. many years they were going to go with Will Farrell. It was like, no. No, I mean, the he's, look is there, but I, I think don't think. Will Farrell is too much of the. It, Chevy Chase can do that dry 
sarcastic, very, very stoic humour that yeah. just and Chevy Chase, rattles out and comes out. I always found um, that Chevy Chase needed someone to act against to really deliver those jokes, and it usually is a straight person. So mm. it, it's it's the straight actor, and he was really good at physical humour, you know, that mm -hmm. awkward physical humour, the fumbling and stuff like that. The sarcasm, he could deliver like he was, like, lashing a yeah. whip. You know, it was great. And I think the only time where I've really seen him, I mean, he's done some great double acts. The stuff that he used to do with Goldie Hawn was great. Uh, Dan Aykroyd in Spies Like Us is still mm -hmm. one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. Yeah. <laughs> I love where they're taking the test and they're going, <laughs> <laughs> kind of coughing the answers to each other. <laughs> I've not seen that movie for ages. Um, <laughs> only Chevy and Dan Aykroyd can deliver one of the yeah. most ridiculous jokes during a scene and pull it off brilliantly. Yeah. What's that sound? It's a dick fur. What's a dick fur? For peeing with. <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's oh, oh, flawless the, the, delivery. The doctor scene, which is right out of something like, uh, what's his name? The... Uh... Oh God, I can't remember the American comedian. He, he used to Bob do Hope. like the US. Bob Hope. He's that. He's that kind of doctor. 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 And then you get doctor. the tiny cameo from Bob Hope doctor. at the end yeah. of that scene, yes, where yes, golf yes. ball just comes in. Yeah. Don't mind if I play through? Mm. Doctor. Doctor. Glad I'm not sick. Then <laughs> <laughs> that, that was John Landis. That was John Landis's movie between Twilight Zone and Coming to America, I believe. Yeah. So that would have been right after. Um, all the the horribleness had yeah. started. Well, eighty five, yeah, yeah. So, which is amazing that Warner Brothers, who did do Spies Like Us, actually kept him around after yeah. Twilight Zone. So, he obviously, maybe he was contracted to do it. I don't know. I'm sure I'm going to get a, a message soon clarifying that comment from a certain former Warner Brothers employee. Uh, but yeah, Fletch Lives is actually really good. It's a really good comedy. It is. You know, it, it is. it's of its time. That's kind of what you've got to say of comedies nowadays, because any fucking snowflake yeah. out there is going to find a problem with, you know, the movies of yesteryear and think that's a relevant problem for today to deal with. Yeah, it's there's not. there's jokes in there which don't land because they're either sexist or they're racist or they're any other kind of this. But I, I, this this does actually boil my piss, and I am going to go on a slight run here as well. Um, recently, you had a big thing about the Roald Dahl books getting re-edited to try and take out language which was deemed offensive. So and James Bond. Of, and James Bond. So you know, instead of having like. It in described in the book as someone being fat, they changed it so they were like big and stuff like that. No, 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 no. If something was written or directed, anything which was made is a time capsule of that certain time, even if it's something which is then set in a different time, it's still looking at that period with the glasses and the look of, yes. of, of the, the time that it was created. Let's stop taking stuff which existed years ago and trying to sanitize it to try and fit in with today. If it's got troublesome stuff in there, leave it in and do what Warner Brothers were doing when they started re-releasing all the older cartoons from the, the 30s and 40s. 
Oh, yeah. But they, they, at least they had the, the sense to go, look, we don't condone this stuff. We're not going to edit this because this is a time capsule of what it was like then. Yeah. Yeah. And this that, is what we need to do. That's basically a way of now. saying, grow the fuck up. Yeah. If you no, don't like it, make your own stuff yeah. and put that make out and have that all nice and safe. Or don't watch it. Yeah, or don't there watch it. That's the other thing as well. Don't watch it. Don't buy the book. Don't do anything. Yeah, at the end of the day, people, it's your choice to be offended. And uh, no one cares if you're offended. Don't watch it. Don't Don't watch it. Don't promote it. Don't raise the issue. Just say it's not for you. There's plenty of films I watch that are just not for me. I can't yeah. stand, you know, movies where there's elements of cruelty to children, especially in a horror genre. In a horror genre where there's, you know, cruelty to children and even cruelty to animals, and it's done just for effect. Yeah, you know, it's done. It's done to upset people and offend. And, and for me, that will make me turn a movie off. But I will not go online and bash the movie. So, you know, it's, that's your creative choice. I know you haven't gone out and purposely killed a child or killed an animal. And if you have, then, you know, fuck you, dick. But, but um, at the end of the day, it's your choice to turn it off. I don't think Fletcher's ever been pulled up to this extent. No, but no, it hasn't. There is, a, it... there is an amazing scene in there um, where uh, Chevy Chase dresses up as a member of the Ku Klux Klan because they've come to hunt Cleveland Little. Who is his uh, the caretaker of the property? Yeah, the or caretaker something of like the property that he's inherited. And yeah, he goes and makes these clan people look like absolute morons, and then he he's like grabs the microphone and he's yelling into it, and he comes out with this very quick line of Gene Hackman will kick their ass, yeah. <laughs> which is a great Mississippi burning joke, which yeah. was released a, a couple of months before, highly publicized. Uh, Flesh Lives is a great movie. It's a it's a great time capsule, whether you like or don't like uh, Chevy Chase or his humor, or you don't like the humor of the day. It's still a great movie, well put together. The characters are great. Mm -hmm. The plot is great as well. It's a really good whodunit, you know, mystery. And uh, it's worthy of the note this week that it was released this week in 1989. Right. Well, in that case, that's all our anniversaries for this week. But there is one more section that we have to Ooh, get through before goody. we can all say goodbye. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box, we, eh? We're not Jesus. used to doing this on video, aren't we? No. No, that means I have to actually produce a box. No, I don't. I've got it down here. Still, after all this time, and it's the, it's the right box. It just means I've got to disappear off screen to reach yeah. my hand in. But while I'm doing that, just explain the rules of blah, blah, blah. Um, the the rules of what's in the box are very simple. Andy is going to pull out the name of a film which is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, if I have seen it, he's going to keep pulling out names of films until we find one that I haven't seen, and then i got to go away and watch it the day before we record the next episode or whatever, whenever that's going to be, a few years' time. 
We're not deciding. And you get yet. to watch it with us. Yay! So we're going back to the ones that are certified fresh. Do we believe that all of these movies belong in there? Not really. Uh, it's all down to personal taste at the end of the yes. day. But, you know, it's interesting for the everyman kind of approach to these movies. That Steve is the everyman. Uh, he hasn't seen a lot of movies. He hasn't seen a lot of essential movies. I'll put it that no. way. Um, so it's always good getting his opinion back. And we love hearing your opinion as well. So, you know, if you've not seen it, we want to hear what you think. Whether you're a film scholar, whether you're a guy from the pub, whether you're a girl just having a night in with your friends and think, oh, let's watch this movie and see what it's about. We want to hear. Come to let us know. Steve, are you ready? No. I don't think you would be. Okay. Mm. So your first movie is... Dun, 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 dun. Ooh, the, the power, the power. What have we got? Except for my own handwriting. Oh, it's easy. Kung Fu Panda. You've seen Kung yes. Fu. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Option number two. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is a contender. Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, Starring yes. That's Will the one Farrell. with Will Ferrell. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Fuck, man. I didn't think you'd see that. Okay. Yeah. It's a good job I picked a bunch of these out. I have a feeling you've seen this as well. Okay, the Johnny Depp version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, sadly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a no waste of two hours. For taste, I guess. Uh, that's no. three down, dude. That's three down. Yeah. In case uh, you're new to joining us, Steve has never gotten past four. Is that right? Four, yep. It's always on the fourth one. It lands on one you haven't seen. Yeah. Oh, 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 we could be breaking a record here. And because you have children, I have a feeling you may have seen this by now. Go on. Um, the movie is Enchanted. Yes. <gasps> He's broke the fourth. I've oh seen that. Oh, my God. Oh, this is momentous occasion. Forget Michelle Yeoh winning an Oscar here. <laughs> this is really something. Steve has gotten four movies in a row that he has seen. Uh, it's not often that you see a Disney princess coming out of a sewer. <laughs> it depends what she's been smoking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I think we. I think we've got a winner on five. Okay. Uh, it's a John Dahl movie called Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, starring Ethan Hawke and Philip Seymour Hoffman. No. And uh, Marissa no. Tamai. Yeah, oh, you're going to be introduced to a version of Marissa Tamai you've never seen before. You'll never look at Aunt May the same way again. You, oh, you I think I've wrestler... seen the scenes of which you are talking. <laughs> That's absolutely disgusting. You don't even watch the movie, but you know what the scenes are. No. You... Absolute Philistine. Oh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. That is the movie. So we're back in thriller mm. territory next week. Yeah, um, that's fine. And uh, I'm a big John Dahl fan, so it's going to be good to revisit that movie as well. May you get to heaven half an hour before the devil knows that you're dead. You're going to tell us what that's a quote from? or to, uh, No, no, it's just, it's, it's just, as far as I know, it's just like an Irish uh, proverb to wish you, wish you well, you know. Uh, okay. You know. Okay. Well, before the devil knows you're dead, it's a good choice. Uh, get on, watch it next week. Uh, join us. So when 
Steve comes back and lets us know what he thought with his tissues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's that's so wrong of me. I yes, yes, it is. You're a bad man. I'm, uh, th- this is a game changer for us because, you know, not only is this the first episode that we have done where it's just been the two of us without a guest on video. On video. Yeah. On video. Uh, we've broken the four and now we have to break the five and that is a lot harder. <laughs> yeah, it took us this long. 72 uh, episodes? 72? Yeah, I think so. Oh my God. We're that yeah. far up. Well, we're getting close to the 100. And speaking of which, we're going to be planning something for the 100, which is going to be right in line with our Christmas and Valentine's episode. That's going to be happening probably around September, October. Uh, it may also be happening with me in another country. Mm, we shall see. Fingers crossed. Um, for now, though. It might be um, happening with both of us in another country. Look at that. Perfect amount of fluff at the front there. Now you can oh, see my grey coming through. Look at that. Oh, you think you've got it. Look at all this. Yeah. I know. It comes to you all, children. We're getting old. Yes. That's what it is. I'm going to put yeah. my Mars Attacks hat back the right way around. Thank you very much, Bill. Um, yes. Uh, uh, speaking of which, yeah, we opened. Yes. Got got this as well, which is a lovely ref- replica of the uh, the Grail Diary from uh, Last Crusade. And, uh, yes, that got we, we both got one package. from our regular uh, guest, Bill Daly. Bill, we miss you. It's been a while since we've had you on, actually. We we need to get Bill on uh, soon. There's got to be something we can talk about anniversary-wise. There'll be something. Yes. There'll be something. Uh, we, we, everyone loves getting Bill on. Uh, we love having Bill on. So, you know, we're, we're looking forward to bringing that back. Uh, okay, so... We are going to wrap this week up. Thank you very much for taking time out of your hectic weeks to join us uh, just to, as we delve into some movies and tell some stories, etc. cetera. Uh, please uh, follow us on all channels. We need those subscribers, Steve. Yeah. You're the tech so, person. What do we need to do? Okay. Well, first of all, if you want to get involved in the conversation, then you need to go to the following links. First of all, it's facebook.com forward slash Poddywood. Then you can catch us on Twitter at Poddywood. You can join us on the Poddywood subreddit, which is r slash Poddywood, or you can just fire up a warning flare and hopefully not hit any low flying aircraft. So, <laughs> so I just had a message from one of our previous guests. That was so Ooh. nice. Oh, did you? Natasha Malthay just messaged. Oh, so, wonderful. So I want to say a huge hi uh, to Natasha and Rick as well. Rick Ravenella is doing a, a celebrity golf tournament coming up. Uh, Ooh, we'll have right. news on that and hopefully he's going to uh, let us know about it. Because I love just throwing some information about our guests because they've been so good to us. I might as well tell them what's going on. Uh, George Gallo has just had a movie released. Just come out starring Morgan Freeman again. It's Hello, George. The Rit- Hello, Morgan. Hello, George. And Julie. Uh, the Ritual Killer has just been released on streaming, I believe you can find it. Uh, right. If you like Morgan Freeman, and who doesn't, uh, go and see it. I believe it's Cole Hauser in it as well. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, as usual, you get uh, a great cast in there. Peter Stormare is in there. Good old reliable. Oh, yes. I, I don't know Peter if he's Stormare. playing a Russian or not. But he probably is. <laughs> it'll, it'll be something maybe Slavic. 
You know, they, yeah. where is it? Where's he from? He's from Sweden or something, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so he, he just always ends up with this kind of accent. <laughs> yes, and Julie Gallo is in there as well. I always look out for for Julie mm. showing up in these movies. Uh, the Ritual Killer, we're all looking forward to seeing it. It's yeah. been on streaming. I've not had a chance to see it yet, but uh, I am going to catch it soon. So, uh, nice. If you've seen it, let us know. Uh, before we do sign off, I need to make one adjustment. Uh, last episode, I got pulled up on this because we started talking about all of our wonderful people that are, that are listening to the, the show. Was this on Reddit by any case. chance? No, and I got pulled up by a friend of mine called Rob, who's been listening for God knows how long, and he was dead upset that he didn't get mentioned, so I'm going to single you out. Hi, Rob. Thanks for listening to us. Give us some money, you bastard. Rob, now you know how frustrating it is with me having him as a friend. He's known me for longer, so... <laughs> well, that that's just... Now I feel better. <laughs> Right, uh, so that is uh, that is it for today. Thank you very much for watching and listening. Uh, it is a goodbye from me. And I'll see you next week also, I guess, which will be probably in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Whenever we can be both. We'll be back. We'll be back. Yeah. Watch the movie and we'll, we'll come and talk about it when we're ready. Bye. <laughs>